Yeah. Everybody recording? Yep. I Including me. Recording, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Hello and welcome to Hold My Popcorn, where we make fun of the good movies and trash the bad ones. I'm Max Healy over in Nashville. And in the north end of Boston, we got Tim Begin. How you doing, Timmy? Doing fantastic, Max. Uh, there's another round of horrendous fireworks going off around the city of Boston uh, tonight, which is great. It's been that way for like two months for some reason. And uh, I'm excited to not be able to sleep tonight again, so... That's what's going on. That's cool. Yep. And over in Sacktown, California, we got John Anoshack. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm just fine, man. I, I met somebody earlier today who told me that if I find my prostate, then I'll see a white light. So I have um, extracurricular activities for this weekend. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. You know, audio's doing great. No problems on my side whatsoever. Nah. Haven't wasted anybody's time. So super happy about that because this week we're welcoming in a very special guest. He was a longtime writer for the uh, late night show with Jay Leno in the Jay Leno Show, co-creator of Nickelodeon's Rocket Power, which was definitely one of our favorite shows growing up. Uh, you might know him as the Razzie-nominated screenwriter of the movie White Chicks, or you might know him as the smart co-host on Education with Kevin Smith. So we got writer, producer, visual effects supervisor, book author, and of course, professor Andrew McElfresh is on the show. Not a real professor. Not a real (laughs) professor. (laughs) You did it. But listen, it's going to be very difficult for me to follow that prostate story. (laughs) Coven, you got to remember the tee up. It goes hot joke, little less, little less. And then you you come in for the the killer. And now I've got to follow a prostate joke. There's nothing for me to say. Mm. Way to go, John. Yeah, I just ruined it for everybody. All right. So free prostate exams for you. Free prostate exams for you. Everybody gets free prostate exams. I kind of feel like he was saying that to to kind of tell everybody that he hadn't done it already when it didn't (laughs) ring true to me. I I don't know why. You think he's sitting on a Sibian right now. (laughs) That's why he has his shirt off. (laughs) Yeah, that's the sound of the motor. Yeah, advice to anyone else that wants to be on this podcast, turn off the visuals on Skype. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Andrew, thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm Um, very happy to be here. I'm just goofing around. You guys are very good and I'm glad to be here. Yeah, our cameras aren't aren't really on. No, because uh, I I sent you that letter from my lawyer. You saw John's LinkedIn LinkedIn profile, and he said, "There's no way I'm looking at this guy for an hour." No, not with that pencil mustache, that fucking thing. Nah. I didn't even notice. I was just staring into his eyes. <laughs> oh, you were just you were afraid you're going to be what? transfixed and That's unable true. to. And uh, I wouldn't yeah. I'd freeze on camera. Right. I wouldn't be able to. I'm like, what happened to that guy? Right. Like a gone with the wind scene. I don't even know if that's a reference. Are you referring to like all the people in the railway yard lying on the ground? (laughs) Or or Scarlet getting raped? Of her her wearing the curtains down the staircase? Listen, guys, I don't know what I'm saying. And we should know this by now. Cool. (laughs) All right. Well, this week we're starting our Indiana Jones miniseries. And first up is the 1981 classic Raiders of the Lost Ark, directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, and Paul Freeman. Oh, it's Yay! so good. I'm so <laughs> I'm so honored that you guys asked me to to talk about this movie with you. 
It is really one of my faves, and it is one of the best movies of all time. I, I've I've got to agree with you. Like I I wasn't too too excited. I mean, I haven't seen Indy in a long time. Um, the last memory I have of Indy is the Crystal Skull or whatever the fuck. It doesn't it doesn't exist. Ooh. So yeah, so it was bad in the back of my mind. But grew up watching it, and the first thirty seconds snagged me. I mean, it's at the it's it's that good. It really is that good. It's timeless. The effects stand up because a lot of it's been practical, but very first fucking scene, you just see Indy in his hat. It's like, bam! All right, I'm in. Well, I mean, yeah, there are some of the effects though, that were, where they're like, they've been on, they're in the desert. They're having a car chase, and then one of the cars gets bumped off the road and goes down like a 6,000-foot cliff. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they, they didn't get it. It wasn't all hanging together there, but even so, it's it's funny and fun, and you're ready to, you know make fun of the stuff that doesn't isn't perfect i'm getting the feeling that i might be the only person that saw this movie in the theater when it came out you're the only person that was born when this movie came out yeah that's what i was thinking (laughs) spoiler alert yeah i mean as far as being a movie from the early 80s too it's very fast-paced it's almost perfect it yeah it's i mean it's it changed everything it oh my god i must have seen in the movie theater maybe eight times awesome yeah it was great (laughs) and this is the kind of movie that when you see it in the theater like you understand the idea that you're on a ride because the audience reacts as one like it's what you want to be there for it is it's a perfect analogy as a ride because it does feel like you're at universal studios when you're watching this movie or like movies like this like jaws feels like that too they just don't make movies like this anymore that like really like engross you in in the experience yeah including the the new one that will be coming out right just so you're so you don't get people riding in and angry the indiana jones ride is actually at disneyland Mm -hmm. the it's the jurassic park ride that is just at universal and when i worked there for two years a few years ago constantly just on the loop the indiana or the uh jurassic park music endless (laughs) endless to the point where you just can't stand it anymore. You wonder how those kids can work there. <laughs> I feel like that's where uh, the cutting phenomenon comes from in a lot of situations. Um, it's either that or retail operations that'll get you straight to cutting your own wrist. Yeah. Weed helps too, I'm sure, for those kids. Performance enhancing <laughs> drugs, yes. Yeah. So wow, you, don't, you, don't go, you don't go through the gears on that one. You're just like, I'm going straight for the cutting joke. <laughs> Constantly. I cut right through the bullshit. Southern raised, Southern proud, and an absolute liberal. So I'm a complete walking conundrum. So, yeah, I just, the, the sheer number of accents and voices in my head, who knows who I'll be tomorrow. Oh, wait, wow. All right. So, should, we, should we get into the movie? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Please, please. We We've been subject. recording for 20 minutes. <laughs> All right. Movie opens up in 1936, South America, with big dick Indiana Jones just swinging it below the knees and overcoming numerous booby traps in this ancient temple that ends with the iconic scene of him switching the golden idol with a bag of sand. But it's a trap! (laughs) Yeah, but you gotta give it to Indy. Like, before he even goes into the cave where the idol is, he stops and he fills up the bag with sand. And he's like, "Mm, that should be enough sand. It's like, wow, this guy really knows his stuff. And then, then he takes a little bit of sand out right before he puts uh, he switches the idol out, and then he's like, hmm, probably should have kept some of that sand in. 
And while he, after he puts the bag on, you can tell that it's a totally different time because while he's watching it, he touches his face. And you can't do that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, So, Max, do you have any trivia behind this scene, though? Like, I mean, it's very iconic. You know, like, Family Guy's made fun of it. You know, he's, like, licking his lips. He's touching his face. You're not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah, just do it! Yeah, like, the whole thing. Like, how many times? Does anyone have any idea how many times it took them to shoot that? I don't. I had a thing on the mountain. I know it took him several days to find a mountain that looked like the Paramount one in the opening scene, but oh, as, well, as far as that I, cut, the take goes now. I just thought it was an oddly looking German mountain in the background. So My favorite thing about this scene is it just harkens back to old United States, right? They're like, listen, you native people, your artifacts aren't perfect in your country. We got to take them. Okay, just like we got to take everyone's land and all this other stuff. It's I, I like that. I like that old America aspect. You know what no, I mean? Some no, people- if only you spoke Hovitos, you would understand. <laughs> They're like, get this fucking thing out of here. It's been nothing but trouble. We're scared to death of everything around here. They're, when they're, like bats come flying out of a, a carved stone face and people run for cover. Right. They're like, please, white man. Take take the artifacts of my history and bring them bring them away. They're dangerous, and there are bats and caves. I I get you. I'm with you. Yeah, they belong in a museum. <laughs> well, so that's a funny motif of the a motif of the entire series, where it's just Indy sitting in the background going, "It belongs in a museum." Just okay. Yeah. Which which title? Which word in the title confused you guys that they weren't like stealing? <laughs> Possibly the first one, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I thought he was talking about the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a different approach to the film, that's for sure. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's why it surprised me a lot that this was this movie. (laughs) I thought I was going to see John Gruden. Nope. Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford. Okay, well, we're still in the temple. Yeah. Are we not going to mention the great Alfred Molina as as the uh, guide who turns, who double crosses him? He saves his life as he's swinging over the pit, and then only to have uh, Alfred Molina drop the drop the whip and steal the idol. He literally makes it five feet without Indiana Jones before getting impaled by all those yeah. spikes. I do love the sound effects too, in that they show a dead body, and they do the same thing when uh, Marion is mm. getting out of the Asp's uh, snake pit. Yeah, that yeah, there's yeah. just like dead bodies, and for some reason they're all like start moving and making sounds. Yeah, like they're all screaming when he so, when Alfred Molina's spiked face, like he's in, uh, you know, the Green Berets, comes flapping out there. It goes, <laughs> what? Yeah, becomes a cenobite right before that happens. <laughs> so it's really funny because like Max, like well, we we covered the mummy um, from the '90s a long time ago, mm. and you know the funny funniest thing that Max said about it, he was like, "Oh yeah, you know it's basically the stupid version of Indiana Jones." You know, of course the actors can handle this fucking thing. It is because in all of the dead bodies, same thing. The mummies, there's always like a yeah when it comes out. So it's almost like these assholes were legislating from the bench. And just set precedent, and now everybody else knows that they can make dead bodies make noises after they've been decomposed for about 500 years. It's a reoccurring thing because it it definitely happens in the third movie with the, um, like that hot Aryan when she's like getting attacked by a bunch of fucking skeletons. I don't know if it happens in the second one. We'll find out next week, but that's a really interesting way to describe somebody the hot Aryan. Yep. We'll unpack that later. (laughs) 
it's tough to jump in and co-sign any of that sentence, by the way. Just, just you know, you made it really hard. A lot of spikes coming out of that sentence. Can make as we far have, as Alfred Molina saying yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Andy's Andy's like a banker trying to give uh, people with bad credit loans right now. He's like, oh, good. I don't think I can really do any of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. Let's. Uh, we'll hey, just good looking on. people. Good looking people on both sides. Okay. Let's All put right. the hot Aryans aside. Let's let's move away from that and talk about that giant boulder. How about that, huh, guys? It's pretty big. Oh, it's massive. <laughs> so, was the intent of the boulder as a booby trap to because it seals off the cave? Was the intent of the boulder to kill the people inside or to seal the cave off? It's to seal the cave off, off. and you're you're starting to you're starting to scratch at the logic of why they would build a temple with a boulder that would take I don't know six hundred men to move, and they would roll it up a track that was I don't know seventy yards long, when all I had to do was just slide in front of the door and everyone inside was done. Right. Mm -hmm. Seems like a very complicated system. Seems like a very complicated system for people that had no comprehension of mechanics to build but i'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say they weren't you know they knew how to do it yeah, but i agree with they you. knew mechanics they were able to hook up pneumatic rocks to uh blow dart shooters in the sides make poison that would last for thousands of years in case it, it stuck into you i mean come on these guys were very advanced yeah, but the, the, the boulder seems excessive Get the screaming, <laughs> get so, the screaming sound effects too. I'm taking the position that um, these folks were just way ahead of the curve on extreme tourism, um, but the problem is they didn't really look at the sustainability of the operation. Because imagine how many bodies they have to clean out every year. That's true. Every and it year. is a temple. Like, do you think like they just like they have a wedding on a Saturday and they're like, oh, don't step on those particular stones. It's gonna be bad. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. That's what makes the Global South so much fun. Like, as a temple, do you think there was, like, a basement where they have Jovitos AA meetings? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they do. Definitely. (laughs) You have to be really committed to get to it. And he's still in this uh, temple, by the way. All right. He narrowly escapes this tribe hired by the main villain of the movie, Belloc. And, oh, my God, there's also a snake in Indy's cockpit. And he hates snakes anywhere near his cack. Jack! Yeah. There's a snake in the plane! <laughs> that was the head. first snake in a plane reference, actually. Yeah. I think in history, before the movie was even made. Which I mean, leads me to believe, since history is cyclical, that the movie had been made before. Hmm. Well, I mean, the movie is based on 1930s serialized adventure films like the... Alan Quartermain, Adventures of Alan Quartermain, or whatever that was called. But we're forgetting when he first meets Belloc, Belloc only talks to him in very heavy handed movie moments. He says to him, There's nothing you can possess that I cannot take away. <laughs> it's like, What? That sounds like a cat is talking to somebody. Like, he is such a dick. And he just is like, I am just going to rub your face in it. And then, you know, because of his moment of pride that's how Andy manages to escape yep. and and run down to the uh, screen for Jack to start the plane and doesn't Jack feel like he just gets ripped off from screen time like he seems like a fully made guy he's wearing yeah. like a, he's wearing like a Boston hat or a New York Giants hat or something he's fishing he's got that his own thing sense. going on and then it's like he's just there to have a snake on his plane 
Well, it's an uh, that's a first. Hello, Andy. Anyone there? Oh wow! I have a. I just looked up on the bookshelf, and there's a beer from last recording up there. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Whoops! Whoa! All right. Well, in the meantime. Oh dear, good. I see why he left off. Wait, I, up. What, there, wait. Up oh, then, then it, oh, good, perfect timing. Is. Oh, I'm just going to turn myself off here. Hold on. <laughs> I anyway, had thought that you all had muted on. after my last joke, and because you didn't want to wipe your the tears away from your eyes on microphone. <laughs> but it turns out that you just dropped me. You were like, "That's it. That joke sucked." Was <laughs> You're really done. What you were saying. You're fucking out. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we were talking about Jock and how he just wasn't really well used, or you thought that he would be a bigger, you know, character or something like Poor that. Jack, he just got the shaft in this. Yeah, I think they fired him. After then we the move whole, on. Yeah, the pl- the whole thing. Uh, little snake fiasco there. But and I mean, uh, okay. So number one, he's a pilot. Number two, he no- he likes to fish. Okay, you've got some detail and some depth to this character, and then you give him a pet snake, and then to your point, he doesn't show up ever really at all. Again, yeah. that's true. But I guess you know when you think about it, he probably didn't know Indy that well because he's like, "Hey, I brought a snake. What's wrong with that?" And Indy's like, <laughs> totally "I have normal. a, I have a pathological, deep-seated Freudian, utter, blood-freezing fear of snakes." And you put a snake here, <laughs> so uh, that's a yeah. deal breaker. Maybe it's really that Jock hates Indy. Like, this mm-hmm. fucking guy again. Always yeah. hires me, and then I get shot in the face by natives. <laughs> That's all I want to do is just go fishing. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I found a great fishing hole for me to somehow put a seaplane into, <laughs> even though it's, it's really just in the universal back lot. <laughs> all right. After this, you have all these open mouth students, I fucking Indian class, followed by some chalkboard exposition setting up the plot of the movie. Where the army hires Indy to find the Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis can get their hands on it and destroy the world. So no pressure. My one big qualm with the movie. I love this movie. What's my one big problem with it? We don't see Indy railing one of these students. Now wait a second. You're not thinking. Everything in this, everything that's happened, there is a reference to something that will come later, like the snakes, for example. Right. And... In in that scene, he's trying to concentrate, and this girl has written an eyebrow pencil on her eyelids, love you, and right. it distracts him for a second. Flash forward to him and Marion, and he's like, I'm sorry, what happened, Marion? She's like, it was wrong, because she was too young. That's their, their relationship from before. He did have sex with an underage co-ed. It was Marion. Mm-hmm. Understood, but my my one big problem with it is that it was not shown. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You want to <laughs> see the actual hardcore railing going on? Yeah, Andy, you have not listened to enough episodes of this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Full full uh, penetration. The bar is high. Full penetration is my bar. Full penny. All right. You know what? No. So I think honestly, uh, the 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 love you eyelids. It was really fantastic. It gave me some hope in humanity that the blowjob was invented far before the 1930s, right. and that makes me happy. So I'm good with that. Now, did we need to see the full railing? Invented. No. Let's look. Invented. Yeah, they're like, oh, yes. you know, we think we're onto something. We're gonna <laughs> people in white lab coats. Yeah, white. we got a control <laughs> group notes. over here. Keep going. This is for science. 
Yeah, someone from Colombia just showed up and told me how to do this shit. It's fucking wild. It's caught on like wildfire. You should see Lower East Side in New York. It's blowjobs everywhere. But no, it's... I completely lost my train of thought. Everyone Good. continue. Mission All right. accomplished. <laughs> well done. So Andy flies to Nepal and offers his former flame and drinking champion, Marion Ravenwood. Wait, you're skipping oh. over the two mysterious government guys. Right. They come and they're like, hey, we want to talk to you about something that the audience obviously knows nothing about. So you're going to have to explain <laughs> it to us. And he goes, hmm, let me think. Say, I have a picture of the book. I mean, in this book, I seem to have right here. It's got giant clasps <laughs> on it and it's made of wood. And I will open it and it will fall open to that page. And they're like, oh, maybe we are talking the right guy. Now, you know who the you know who the chubby guy is in that scene? Mike Holmgren. He's Chubbs. He's the <laughs> pi- he's the X-wing pilot. That oh shit! Oh really? my god! No way! <laughs> yeah. What? Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> Stay on Almost target. There. And then he hits the side of the Death Star and burns for four days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Now, anyway. also. Denholm Elliott, his little mentor back there, he plays bigger in the in the later movies. But this is where Indiana Jones assembles his tools of the trade slash weapons. His whip, his revolver, and his leather jacket and his hat. Those are very important things in a movie like this because, you know, without that, we wouldn't have thought about the gun for the time that he actually uses it. So there's a lot of great stuff. I mean, the efficiency of this movie, it's, what is it? Like, we're like 19 minutes in, and we know everything we need to know about what's going to happen in this movie. It's going to be really, it's so good. Yeah, there's there's no fat on this movie at all. I was just going to say that. It's literally no fat. There's There was never a point in this movie where I was like, they could have sped this up a lot. You know what I mean? It's like, by the time you, when you realize, like, you, you first time you pause this movie to go to the bathroom, you realize there's only like 20 minutes left in it. Hmm. Also, but there is one shot. There's one shot that's a little flabby. I would have changed in this movie. It's when, you know, it takes them like, they have to get a whole crew of people to dig up the, uh, you know, to find the right place and dig for it. And they pry open the, the roof and they almost get killed going down in there. And when they escape, they just have this, like, there's a loose rock in a wall that they push out. And then he and Marion climb out. And there's a very long shot of them like walking down a hill. It, that shot never made sense to me. But With the guy that's passed out in the background, yeah, right like, next what, to the what's rocks. What's he doing? Did he get hit in the head with the rock? You might Is that what they're saying? Him. <laughs> like I don't get that shot. There's no OSHA in Egypt. Number one, <laughs> it's the first issue. Um, yeah. Number two, well, you know, it's Egypt. What are you saying? Life is cheap. Eh. I have no comment. <laughs> good, right. good, good, good. We're learning. Okay. So right, now, yeah. now we have all of our tools of the trade, and off we go. And it, it cuts to this map that is like this beautiful, like old-fashioned 1920s, 1930s movie trope, and it's just done perfectly. And the music is I amazing. I love it. Yeah, it's, with all the, the all the gas stops in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is great. And then Indy. Yeah, go ahead. No, uh, just can anyone imagine um, having to, well, share an airplane with Nazis? Like, imagine that point in life, in international travel, where it's just like, oh, there, there are the Nazis getting on the plane with me. 
I know. And then they cut to the shot of him like looking at him from another seat. Uh, yes. The stewardess comes by and she's like, would you like something to drink? He goes, no, thank you. I'm a Nazi. Like he just is <laughs> such a fucking Nazi. It's so crazy. Also, what do you not have? I do feel like like Nazi like casting quality has gone down. Because um, like, so it's 1981 when the film was released. Like, I feel like you had real Nazis on cast or people that were like one generation removed from like a foaming at the mouth SS officer. This is not a case where like you, you need to get a actual person from Mexico to play a Mexican in a movie. Like they didn't actually get Nazis to play them. I don't want to disabuse you of that idea. <laughs> <laughs> but but do we but do we know that? I, I think we for sure. Maybe the guy with the incredibly well defined jaw whose face melts. Maybe he's a Nazi. Like he just is like, look, oh, we know he's shit. a Nazi, but just look at the guy. That guy just screams Nazi. Let's get him. I mean, seriously. I mean, considering that like this dude's got the, he's got the perfect little mole on the side of his face that's not even colored he's evil he's got glasses and he can pimp smack people pretty so john are you are you suggesting that similar to what the u.s military did at the end of world war ii where they went over and picked up nazi scientists to try and help them you know get to space and all this stuff that hollywood did the a similar uh activity after world war ii well he's the verna von braun of nazi acting We must get some in here before the Germans get here. No, I mean, and so I started this podcast, um, you know, this episode definitely thinking very much so that they had real Nazis casted. And Andy's really, you know, he's he's moved me away from that. Um, I feel like he drew a line in the sand and the U.S. government probably did that. Like, no, um, if provided, it's going to help us beat the Russians. Anything short of that, we're not using Nazis. So thank you, Andy. I'm going to give you a glimpse into... What it what it's like working on a movie set. For example, Kevin Smith, he just did a movie, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And when they go to the to the hamburger place movies, uh, there's a cook in the back, played by me. And I'm cooking away and flipping burgers, and then all this stuff happens, and I act very astonished. Do you know that there was no food even in the restaurant at all? I was just acting. That is what acting is. Fooling people into think. Did I lose you guys again? No, no, no we're no, still no. here. No, I've seen that. I think. Uh, I think somebody left the call. Ma- I think Max. Uh, Max, for- Max dropped off yeah. for a second. He's coming back. <laughs> so we're Max. pulling. We're, I know we're pulling. What's it he back gonna together. do? Um. So yeah, I think that you know they're just sort of like, you know, the the blonde haired guy whose face implodes, that looks super like a Nazi. He's the guy that has to say. I'm not comfortable with this Jewish ceremony. And you're like, oh, oh what a fucking God. Nazi that guy is. Oh but I think he was, God, he, was he, he was just acting, I think. That's a line that's on the nose. It's, you know, in, a, in any other movie, I'd feel like it'd be too on the nose. You'd almost be like, eh, they're really like, it wasn't subtle enough. They're trying too hard with that. It was like perfect in this movie. It was just like the perfect delivery. Yeah, It made it, you it hate him just away, enough. It was one step away from... I would like to inform the audience that the next scene will be you performing a Jewish ceremony. Right? <laughs> it's just as blatantly in your face. But look at Belloc's lines. Like when, after Marion, uh, after the truck explodes uh, and Indiana Jones is drowning in sorrows with a monkey on his shoulder. Right. And Belloc comes in. He just goes straight. He's like, you and I are not so different, Dr. Jones. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you think. That is so fucking on the nose. But you need those things. You need. It's like um, 
what's his name? Uh, the great screen, Aaron Sorkin mm-hmm. in the movie Malice. It's like the end of act two. And he's like, you know, the main character's like, you know, it's times like this when your wife run, uh, gets a <laughs> fake surgery so that she can steal millions in insurance money, blah, blah, blah. And he goes to this thing and he gets, he's doing a, a round table in New York and this student is like, how could you put something so on the nose in a script? And he said, sometimes you just have to tell the audience where we are. And that's why it works, man. It works for Belloc. It works for that crazy Nazi that you can't wait for his head to implode. You know, it's, it works, man. It's a, it's a fine line. I mean, Lawrence Kasdan, one of the best screenwriters of all time. Right. He fucking has you right in the palm of his hand. And I'm sure they could have had a great exchange and really made you hate them more. But they're like, dude, we got to get to the end of Act 3. Let's get going. Right. So he just says that line. It's amazing. But that's the thing. It's like if you're so if you use those sparingly and as like a way to ground the audience in the specific moment and then move on, then it's fine. It's like where it gets to be bad is when that's a con- it's a constant stream of those sort of like just constantly telling the audience what's going on. Yeah. But I think well, that that's, you just described uh, Inception. <laughs> oh, boy, Inception. don't get me started on that one. 40 that minutes of Inception. No is one. No telling, one can describe no one can describe Inception. Even the director can't describe Inception. That's, Why would he need is... to? The characters do it for 45 minutes of the movie. <laughs> Wham. Andy thinks he's so fucking smart throughout it. It's like a fucking self-flagellation movie. It's like, might as well just watch the guy jerk off for an hour and a half. I'm fucking smarter than you are. Meanwhile, I'm literally just describing everything, all the subtext to you. Uh, to the audience, um, actually, yeah. we're going to be talking about Inception today. So everybody's straight. No, we're not. In. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Max. We're moving back to the movie. Us. So, okay, let's go back yeah, to the sequence. I'm back. This is he, the second we're now time today that Nepal. our power shut off. We meet yeah, Marion. She's freaking winning. She's winning a drinking contest with a 400-pound Nepalese man <laughs> at 16,000 feet. Yep. And she weighs all of like 110 pounds probably. I'm just impressed that the two palest people in the Himalayas managed to find each other for a fucking drinking (laughs) contest. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, that dude is... Now, you notice uh, sound design? When he finally takes his second shot and he passes out, they put in the sound of a tree falling down. (laughs) (laughs) That's they great. Totally did. And so you see him creaking over. And uh, that's also the scene where Indiana Jones shoots his gun for the first time. And I don't know what they use, like a howitzer or something. <laughs> but this dude's got a pistol and it's like he's shooting artillery shells. It's kind of like cartoonish in a good way, though. It like has elements. It's like fun. You know what I mean? It brings a little bit of. Uh, oh, I love like, that scene. And yeah, absolutely a cartoonish. You know, the. Uh, the barrel, the little barrel on the bar gets shot, and she, the it, the booze comes trickling out, and she stops to take a drink. <laughs> right. I mean, it's perfect. It's she so hasn't good. already had enough, as is. Yeah, she's had like four bottles of hard liquor at seventeen thousand feet, where it's like smoking one puff of a cigarette would put you out for two days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that's the first time we see the uh, Gestapo guy giggle. Uh, Very yeah. creepy. 
Yeah, he, he reminds me of um, one of the Ed, Ed, and Eddies just 40 years later turned into a Nazi. That it's is really so good. <laughs> not the one with the hat, the other guy. Uh, oh, so not the smart one. The dumb one? Yeah. Totally. Or the giggling, yeah. giggling he does a- nunchuck carrying <laughs> to wear, to put his hang his jacket on. <laughs> to which the guy then just holds it anyway. It's like, he could have just held your jacket, dude. Yeah. You didn't need jacket. That. Wasn't gonna no, get wrinkled. You must. You Listen, must. if you're wearing a winter jacket in the desert, you're not getting that thing wrinkled. Yeah. I mean, once you're not doing it right, nobody. Get, we went to the. Cold rock. Near, we live near the. Uh, we live near uh, Los Angeles County Museum LACMA, and they had an exhibit on Hollywood costumes. And you go in, and it's just really the stories of the costumes. Seeing them in real life is always kind of crazy because they all seem so small. Mm. Uh, but the woman that made Indiana Jones jacket. They spent, she spent hours and hours the night before with steel wool and wire brushes and things to make it look beat up. And so, but they didn't shoot the movie in sequence. So they think it's beat up, more and more beat up. They made four of them. And so the jacket goes from being in good shape to bad shape to good shape to bad shape all through the movie. (laughs) And nobody seems to think like, oh, it's 116 degrees in this rainforest where I'm running. (laughs) And I'm wearing a fucking leather jacket. Right. So the same is true in the desert. They're just like, I mean, the clothes are so crazy. I mean, yeah. can you imagine? You're like, uh, the one thing that I cannot get from Dr. Jones is his girlfriend. So I'm just going to like steal her and mash on her, tie her up, not feed her until she's like putty in my hands. And the first thing I'm going to give her is a weird white dress. <laughs> like, what's that? <laughs> So she's weird. like eating, eating with her mouthful. She's like, it's beautiful. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> was that a thing back in the day? Because that happens in a lot of like James Bond movies too, where like Bond, like Bond villains will like kidnap the you know like the 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 woman interest in the uh, in the Bond movie, and then he'll be like, here, here's something more comfortable for you to wear while we dine together. It's like, is that something like old creepy yeah. men did back in the it, day? I don't know how that could ever happen. So, I estimated I mean, like, your measurements. Here's yeah, right. the difference, though, between Bond and Indy, is that Bond would have the first second saved the lady. In this case, it's Indy shows up and says, oh, literally, on second thought, I'm actually just going to leave you here because it'll draw too much attention. Good luck. Right. He's yeah. a pragmatist. Indy's a pragmatist. It was the right thing to do. Exactly. And he has experience leaving Marion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does it a lot. <laughs> exactly how to do it. Yeah. So... Andy, do you know anything around the whole Marion story, the super creepy original Marion story? Well, I mean, the stuff that's hinted at in the movie is that she was underage, like really underage. And her father, Abner Ravenswood, was Indy's mentor and professor. And Indy was his star pupil. And he and Marion fell in love. But really, she in later life acts like he took advantage of her, that she was just a kid. And he's kind of a creepy dude. And so he has all this guilt, like the way that he hangs his head every time he talks to her about it. It's crazy. So I'm imagining, could it be worse than that? It's much worse. So you're not friends with George Lucas by chance, are you? Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. Good. All right. So this is from, uh, they had had transcripts from the 1978 story meetings for this movie. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure George Lucas really... Uh, which is this wasn't on anymore, like online anymore, because he was hell bent on Indy having sex with like an eleven year old. So oh, he's saying like she should be eleven, and then 
Spielberg's like, she needs to be older than that. And then he goes back and goes, okay, she's 12. And then (laughs) you get this fucking Law & Order SVU quote from George Lucas that says, uh, 15 is right on the edge. I know it's an outrageous idea, but it's interesting. Once she's 16 or 17, it's not interesting anymore. Okay. And then Jeffrey Epstein just goes, how much money do you Mm -hmm. need for the movie? (laughs) And then uh, one of the women objects and George Lucas says, hey, listen, honey, you want to go get us some coffee? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was 1978. Good God, that's awful. That is awful. That is. Ah! And then he fucking does it again in that um, episode one. It's like you got like a nine year old in love with like a 16 year old. It's like, what is up with all this? These kids fucking. I don't know. I don't know. You know, part of something I did in my past, George Lucas, we had my writing partner and I, the guy I did Rocket Power with, Michael Bloom, uh, we were producers in MTV and he asked them to get us to come and do the episode one premiere at the Lucas Ranch. So we were super excited and he was super nice. And we, we went there, his daughter's. He had already been divorced at this point, and his daughters invite, wanted to invite, make this huge guest list of all, like, young Hollywood. So, like, the girls from Charmed were there, and the kid from Terminator 2 was there, and it's all this, like, young Hollywood guys. And so we, you know, we decided we're just going to make it into a big party, and Lucas was, he pulled out the stops, he hired all these models to wear all of the crazy outfits that Amadala has in the movie, but every actor that was there, there were about 60 young actors. They were all dying, like angling for a spot in one of his movies. He's like a huge director. Oh, so yeah. they're all like, they have to sit through this movie in the, uh, in the you know, THX theater. And they're all just chewing uh, nicotine gum so they can just <laughs> make it for another five minutes. And they're <laughs> laughing way too hard at every joke. And they're doing all this stuff. And meanwhile... Bloom and I are standing in the back with McCallum and he's telling us all these fun inside stories. So we got our crews ready. The movie was coming to an end. All the young actors are just had just kissed ass for two hours and even the taste of nicotine gum couldn't get the taste of ki- ass kissing out of their mouths. <laughs> and it was, you know, I was, my crews, I had two crews. We were basically backing up to allow George to follow us and then we had a, a camera following him to have him leave the theater for the big party. And it was a great shot. We had already rehearsed it without him. And we walk out and all through the party space outside were all of these standees, these like flat cardboard cutouts of different characters from the movie. And the first one you come up upon is Jar Jar Binks. And somebody had taken a cocktail napkin and a little fork and stuck it into Jar Jar Binks and the cocktail napkin read, I ruined Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and he takes it out and puts it in his pocket. And off he goes. He moves on. And we, of course, we got rid of that footage. There was no way we were going to embarrass him like that. And then years later, like a bunch, a few years later, I was at The Tonight Show and we went up with, um, what's his name, uh, from Mad TV, the big, big guy. Um, Michael McDonald. No, no. Will Sasso? Will Sasso. And he was up at the ranch for the third movie. And I just noticed that on the bulletin board in Spielberg's, or in uh, Luke's office, was that napkin. He had saved it. (laughs) Like, that's that guy. Wow. He really has, like, a lot of pain and weird things going on. 
And I kind of felt bad for him at that point because wouldn't you just want to like burn that thing or something? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I was so. like half expecting you to say, and that guy's dead now. Like <laughs> I did that. Yeah, George yeah. Lucas had his minions kill him. I can see that hmm, happening. We'll too. see about that. We'll see about that. <laughs> Let's bring him up back. Right. I'll talk to him for 20 seconds and kill him with boredom. <laughs> uh, no, he's a nice guy, actually. He came to another one of our premieres to meet us before we did it. It was the Grease 20th anniversary premiere party. And uh, he came and stayed the whole time, did all the stuff, green screen, danced to the uh, hand jive with his girls. He was a great guy. Just a nice guy. Uh, that'd be a sight to see. Yeah. All right. Well, back to the movie. Anyway. Diving so back into it. We got Nazis torturing people. That was supposed to be a palate cleanser from the 11-year-old story. <laughs> it's a, it's and a, it, it, it was perfect for that. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Be- Everyone would have already forgotten. 11-year-olds as fast yes. as we can. As Let's fast do as that. Um, yeah. All right. And then well, he, yeah. uh, although he does have that like nine-year-old prince in the second movie. It's like, in my country. Remember that kid? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We know that. God damn. Out the second one. All right. We'll, 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 we'll go back to the first. Now, Indy has got, he's got the medallion. The Nazi has burned half of it into his hand. And it's off to Cairo to meet Sala, who is his... Yeah. Who is his excavation pal? His digger. Yeah. His yep. digger. That's a digger in Cairo. And he saves the day by burning down her bar, and then they move into Egypt yeah. from there. Yeah, I'm your so- goddamn partner. <laughs> <laughs> also, first rule about blending in in Cairo: don't wear bright phosphorescent red pants. How about I that? She, that was very Aladdin of her. I felt like. Yeah. yeah. She I had, thought it was, was kind of. Very Middle Eastern. It fit, it fit in. It was very like, can't touch this parachute pants. Yeah. <laughs> British occupied Egypt. I can wear whatever the fuck I want. Yeah, there is that. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, you know, Cairo was a great example of how Indiana Jones doesn't miss a trick. If there's some suspicious looking dude out there, he's going to spot him. Like a, a guy with an eye patch riding a motorcycle with sandals. <laughs> <laughs> and a monkey and a Nazi that he monkey. talks to. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, that guy looks weird. No, he just ignores him. He sees him like four times and ignores him. In in fairness, I feel like that might have been a dime a dozen back then in Cairo. <laughs> Nazi monkeys? Nazi, well, I'm not saying that, but just like guys with monkeys and eye patches riding around on motorcycles. <laughs> it was a Nazi monkey. The monkey throws the freaking salute in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, it throws the Zeke Kyle. It's a fucking party member. It's probably yeah. got a yep. card. It's probably a card-carrying Nazi party member. Listen, guys, and that's I'm, not the gonna audience... put, I'm not going to put the Nazi label on that monkey, okay? Someone obviously trained him to do that. No, he had to He had to do it because, you know, even then, the audience is like, listen, I like a monkey as much as the next guy, but a Nazi monkey, that thing must die. And so when he eats the date, you're like, I don't feel so bad. Seriously, If it hadn't Zeke Kyle to somebody, you would have been like, Shit, man, they killed a monkey. Actually, very good point. That's a very yep. good point. If you didn't <laughs> know that an monkey animal was becomes a, a Nazi animal. That's right. the only thing that that's going to keep PETA off your back, as if it's a right. Nazi animal. Yeah. yeah. And then they're good. Everybody like, gets that's it. A, that's a producer note. Uh, can we make the monkey a Nazi? Yeah. Because if it's a Nazi, it's a victimless crime. Indeed. It doesn't matter if it's a monkey. It could be a Nazi angel, for all we care. 
Killing it is a victimless crime because Nazis, bad guys. Objectively so, bad people. Yeah, they're like the reason that you have to have like robots in young, you know, movies that there's violence because you can kill them. You can't just run around killing people if you want to get a PG rating and get young people to go to it. But Nazis, you know, like, yeah, you can kill Nazis. No big deal. Yeah, so speaking of this this Nazi monkey, he narks on the good guys, leading to the second act of the uh, Indiana Jones epic Wait, don't spectacular. Wait, weird guy that God looks damn like it, Peter Andy. Sellers. You can't skip over the weird guy that looks like Peter Sellers that reads the inscriptions on the medallion. Goes, well, I don't think I've got there here. yet. Come quick, quick, come here, come here. <laughs> Look, oh, you mean the, the literal real life reenactment of the monkey from the Lion King? That fucking guy? <laughs> the shaman. Yeah, we haven't got there yet. We it's still got that big if fight. The movie came before the Lion King. I'm just saying. That's true. Live action version. <laughs> Six kadam. <laughs> this and guy. Take one kadam back to honor the god for whom. <laughs> so Come on, that dude was like, I am milking this shit for all it's worth. This is a sag under five. I'm going to lay this thing as long as I possibly can. <laughs> so that's actually the uh, the man who invented the blowjob is actually that guy. Um, is that's what the character is based off of? True story. That's why he's so happy, right? <laughs> right. Come quick, come quick. That's what she said. <laughs> I mean, seriously, men, women, monkeys, other animals. Who cares? Blowjobs and blowjobs. All right. They're digging in the wrong place. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Well, yeah, you get that uh, Indy's beating up like 10 different dudes, and then you get the flashy sword dancing dude who just gets shot immediately. Yeah. All this stuff is happening before that. Now, when, the, when he says, do you see this watch? $5 from a vendor on the street. Mm. Practically worth it. But buried in the sand for a thousand years, it becomes priceless. When he says that line, there's the dude from the crew out on the street, just walking down the street wearing a set of earphones. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, there were a lot of mistakes there. They were they were all sick. That's why Indy shoots him. Yep. Shoots the, the guy because he was just sick as a dog. The, the, the truck explosion, they just couldn't get the thing. They blew one up and they couldn't get it to roll over. So they put this, a telephone pole inside and an explosion, a, a, charge at the top of it to ram the pole into the ground and so when it turns on its side you see this giant telephone pole sticking out of the bottom of the truck and they're like you know what leave it let's just get the fuck out of here right <laughs> and that's like yeah that's the same thing with the sword guy like the guy had spent months practicing they had it all choreographed and then Harrison Ford had food poisoning he's like why don't I just shoot him instead so we can get the fuck out of here <laughs> guess, guess, like, it was a great it was the greatest scene the poor bastard, though. I mean, like he's like, oh man, here's here's my big break. I've been my entire life. People said I was crazy doing all these sword skills. Now look at me. Yeah, yeah. we're just gonna shoot you. He was hangs that up his swords. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, I think they had a lot of locals. I think. I mean, one interesting thing about the movie is they came in under budget. They did. They hired tons of locals. The the dig scene, they put tracks down. Um, that they used for, you know, the mechanics of how they were excavating the site. But Spielberg used all of those as camera dollies, too. Um, they just did a lot of really clever things, and they, you know, that was one of them. They, the locals and the, and the way that they built that scene. They shot, they shot out the dig site two days early, and that includes that crazy 
one-wing airplane fucking fat guy with a mustache who takes his shirt off before beating someone to death. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know Spielberg was like really just like gung-ho on finishing the movie under budget because all of his other movies, you know, like obviously Jaws and then his other two, they'd all gone like over budget and over time. Yeah. Yeah. We were, I was, uh, Bloom and I, after the first MTV Beach House, we met John Milius, the famous screenwriter yeah. who wrote the final draft of Jaws, and he wrote Clear and Present Danger, Apocalypse Now. He's just like a big guy. He's a really yep. nice guy. And he just tells all these stories, and he's best friends with uh, Spielberg. And he said that when Spielberg was making Jaws, after he had started, Milius pitched, sold, financed, pre-produced, shot, edited and released an entire movie fly to the navigator before wow. before he'd uh yeah jesus so. yeah that, that i watched that documentary a couple of years ago it's pretty good who uh the millius documentary yeah that's scott mosher is that, that scott mosher's really yeah oh wow that's cool all right um yeah you getting got the, back to yeah. sorry I'm, I'm getting very distracted i have no idea why no, it's all good. I mean, this is just shit that we're never going to hear from anybody else, so we appreciate it. So now, now Dead Monkey, the, the the giant. What about the giant Nazi dude in the suit with a big hat? Like, what's he do? He never even talks. The monkey grabs his face and he's just like, mm. doesn't even get a line. And that guy's like in the movie for a long time, just walking around in the background. Yeah, he was just too big. He wasn't actually part of the set. He just walked in. They're like. I'm not telling them to leave. You tell them to leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's see. So uh, a German mechanic, evidently, having just fueled the strangest plane in all of World War II, he's six foot eight, weighs 400 pounds, sees a guy that everyone thought they had murdered by trapping him with a bunch of asps, sees him and just smiles, cracks his knuckles, takes his shirt off and decides to beat him to death. Like, what the fuck was that? Do you mean Tom Hardy from Bronson? That dude? Oh, is that who that is? He looks just like the, the oh prisoner Bronson. The last Queensberry boxer. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then they have the big fight, which was great. It was fun, but... Dude, they, he just... Anyway, so they managed to get out of there. They run 500 miles an hour. The Ark gets put on a truck, and Indiana Jones says, one of my favorite movies from the line. Uh, lines from the movie, sorry. Where Asala comes in, he says, Oh, India, I'm so pleased that you are not dead. And, he's, and he says, They have taken the Ark and it's on a truck. And Indiana Jones says, Which truck? What truck? <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the trucks in the nation, in this industrialized country. Yes. Then he jumps on a horse and rides out and has, and it's one of the best slow speed chases in movie history. <laughs> like when, you, when you look at how fast they're going, you're like, I mean, I think they, they could, they could just jog up and, and, and get him. Like he's yeah. going pretty slow in that truck. It, it makes more sense now when they, like Harrison Ford was getting dragged by that truck and he actually was literally getting dragged, but it makes more sense when you're going like four miles an hour. <laughs> you're, you're just speeding it up. He was literally, that was the dragged? last shot they shot in the yeah. movie. Yeah, they really? they dragging him, and if you look, there's they dug a little trench because he wasn't comfortable with how low the the truck was. Right. So they dug a trench, and they swept like two miles of of dirt road so that he wouldn't get hurt, which is all makes sense. 
Um, but the stunt <laughs> that he does where he goes out through the wind, uh, front window underneath, comes back out, ties a rope, comes out, climbs back on and beats the guy up and sends him under is from the movie Stagecoach. Hmm. Uh, there was a famous Indian Native American stuntman who did it, but they didn't slow the thing down. They didn't dig any trenches. I don't think he was even wearing a leather jacket. They just were like, do you think you could do this? He's like, yeah, why not? And that stunt was actually done like for real. And it they shot the original stunt in about a half a day. This one, this stunt took about uh, two days to shoot. Dude, shit, Tim, what was that John Wayne movie we did where like uh, four people died on set? Rio Grande. Rio, yeah, in Rio Grande, like four extras died in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> like two of them drowned. Like Two of them drowned. Two of them died because they like got trampled by horses because they were doing all those yeah. weird horse tricks. Yeah. Bet you those stagecoach producers were fucking livid when they realized that they could have put a leather jacket on that Native American guy. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> we could have helped him. Uh, no, they also like, but the Westerns, there were so many Westerns where, well, movies like, um, uh, the Misfits, which was a late Western in the fifties that, uh, Clark Gable and, um, Marilyn Monroe, uh, everybody that worked on that movie got sick cause they shot it where they were doing above ground nuclear testing in Nevada. Like <laughs> people were like, yeah, so you guys are doing the testing. We're going to push our whole production another four days until you guys are done. And then we're just going to march in there and shoot a movie. Yep. That happened with John Wayne. They, they think that John Wayne died from like nuclear cancer from oh, one God. of the movies that he did. Same oh, thing. you mean the one about uh, where he was a Mongol? I, th- I think it was the Genghis Khan movie. The that Genghis like, Khan literally movie killed him. <laughs> they were like filming that. it in a nuclear bomb site. <laughs> they didn't know back then. I love Welcome it. Welcome to America. But it, it's something like 80 people died that were part of that movie. I love how dumb <laughs> like, people were back then. It's just like, ah, Nagasaki Hiroshima wasn't that bad. <laughs> Let's go film right next yeah, door. These Americans are much stronger skin. Yeah. yeah, you know what really helps with that radiation poisoning? Smoking. Right. You want to be breathing through a filter. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Going back to a Harrison Ford, though, um, in that plane scene, the wheel actually ran over his knee and he tore a couple of ligaments, too. That's all that happened? Because if... It, if- I would have thought if that real ran over his knee, like that would have been like his leg would have amputated. Apparently, the wheel was so overheated that it was soft, so it didn't like completely crush him. Oh. Yeah, Only but, Harrison Ford can pull this yeah. shit off. Who Harrison Ford who can land, crash land an airplane on a golf course and still I walk out? I did not know dive. he did all his own stunts in this. I yeah. did not know the that. thing though. Just uh, look at the other side of the coin. Harrison Ford who can't seem to land an airplane at an airport. <laughs> just saying <laughs> they're like Harrison we're taking the license this time because he flew <laughs> into the last thing he did was fly into Santa Monica airport and land going the wrong way on a runway that had a jet coming in on it oh yeah God. well you're not supposed to be smoking taking bong rips in the plane while you're flying <laughs> in, yeah. in in fairness yeah his judgment of late has seemed to be not great. I mean, he does also, have a, he does have an enormous. There was an enormous snake in the cockpit too. People don't <laughs> yeah. imagine that. That's why he crashed. He snakes. He's <laughs> taking advantage of his senior citizen status and just getting away with, well, almost literally murder. That's what I do when I'm 65. I can't wait to take my pants off in public and just walk around. Compared to what? Yeah. Huh? The, the, the problem though is what? you have to be in eight of the 15 biggest box office grossing movies of all time for that to be uh, feasible yeah. as a plan. 
Yeah, you need you need to be you need to be Indiana Jones and Han Solo at the same time. You'll mm-hmm. just see me in thirty years. Just I pay my taxes. Just <laughs> walking around in circles in Times Square. Okay, good to know. Might want to tweet stuff. that first so I can be in another city, if possible. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I so, I feel like in this. Sorry, one one quick thing. I feel ahead. like in this scene there is a there is a uh, when he comes crawling in over the top into like the cab of the truck and he grabs the driver in like a headlock and then punches the guy in the face. Harrison Ford definitely punched that guy in the face, like full on <laughs> gave that guy a fucking black eye, punched him in the face. And well, I was, that stuff happens all the time. Right. That happens in movies. A friend of mine's, uh, his whole family does, they're all like first ADs and they did that movie universal soldier with Jean-Claude Van Damme yeah. and, uh, what's his name? The, uh, fucking Drago. Yeah. So <laughs> whatever the fuck his name is. Drago. So he's he's the guy that goes berserk and and goes and kills all the scientists. And my friend did a bit part in the movie because his brothers all worked on it. And he was one of the scientists, this nerdy guy, and he's wearing his little hazmat suit. And um Dolph Lundgren is like says to the director, Hey, listen, I really want to stay in character here, so I really want to kind of give the guy a, a whack. I'm not going to hurt him, but I would like to punch him. And he yeah, fucking I'm only breaks. Six, five, 240. Yeah. And my friend is like 5'6", 125. Oh, my God. Um, you know, and he's like the I'm tenor in residence. He's the tenor in residence at um, Lincoln Center. Are you about to tell us that he was your friend? Is that, well, is no, that he didn't get killed, but he fucking broke his nose. Jesus oh, Christ. I'm not face. surprised. Not so, so yeah, bad. you know how Apollo died in the Rocky movie? I want to do that to this guy. <laughs> do they have workers' comp in Hollywood? Uh, well, I think when three of your brothers are on the movie, everybody just apologizes profusely and you find a check in your mailbox. <laughs> Fair, <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and Dolph Lundgren was super nice about it. <laughs> what do you mean he was super nice about it? Oh, how do you like, get I can't you believe nice I did that. I feel like such a does. jerk. Did you guys get that on camera? And they're like, yeah, the shot's perfect. <laughs> Check the gate. Let's keep going. Right. Well, you, if you can see when he curb stomps him, he's smiling. So, <laughs> can we do that one Hold more time? I think I was smiling too much. Hold oh. on. I'm almost done. I'm almost Gosh. done. Let's give <laughs> me another minute American here. History X. Oh, yeah. He liked getting curb stomped. It's fine. Oh my God. Oh, Jesus. I must break you. I will break yep. you. Here's a piece so, of iron. <laughs> so we end up at Omar's, the Omar's garage, and and everybody, mm-hmm. they're just like, listen, we got to have a plan B if we can't get this thing out. And they're like, plan B is that we're going to ask everyone we know to bring melons to Omar's garage. <laughs> then we hide at Omar's and everybody just runs around holding melons up. And it's going to make the Germans so furious, they're going to take one of the melons and smash it on the ground. It's, they actually hit a dog that that Nazi does. <laughs> you hear the sound effect of the dog crying in the background. Yeah, that might have just been a, a sound effect, but I'd like to think they did hit a dog. I would have loved to hear <laughs> totally like real. a really like uh, childish like saying in a German accent when he throws out, get your melon out of here. I wanted to hear like something like that when he threw it. That was that's such a good scene. He throws it like such such a little like bratty little baby. Yeah. Oh my god, it's such a good yeah. scene. And then you get the Wilhelm scream instead of the dog crying. I would have loved for it to hit the ground and they just pan over a little bit and there's the guy with the eye patch kneeling in front of a tiny monkey grave. 
Right. <laughs> and the melon comes in and knocks over the knocks yeah. over the cross or whatever or whatever is in front of the grave. Just impaled like, by it. Yeah. It's like what the fuck? What the fuck? What a week I'm having. <laughs> I'm on your team. <laughs> so next up, Marion. There's they say goodbye. They meet Mr. Katanga to get on the ship, and Marion says goodbye to Sala, and she freaking plants one on his face. And you can see the actor just be like, <laughs> well, now I'm going to you know, like be holding this boner for a couple of thousand years. <laughs> and, she runs up and he starts singing Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> I'm Dr. Jones now. Not, not in the script. So they meet Mr. Katanga. And Mr. Katanga, I'm like, now here is a cool dude. This guy reminds me of Jack the pilot. Yeah. Hey, there's a story here. There's a story mm-hmm. there. There's a great turtleneck there. I mean, <laughs> the turtle. yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. I wish, I wish he was throughout, the, uh, you know, his story was expanded throughout the, the rest of the movie. I'm like, did yeah. that dude have like a variety show in the seventies? Like he was awesome. <laughs> like Super fly. Clifton Davis Jr. So, uh, these are all references, uh, to things that happened when I was alive and you were not. Um, <laughs> so he's like, my cabin is your cabin. And they're like, fucking hey. So evidently this guy has the like worst decorated cabin, but he has a fucking full length mirror in there. Yep. And Indiana Jones is like, hmm, I'm really hurt. But rather than feel to see if my bones are broken, I'm going to look in this mirror and it gets whacked in the face with it. That was improvised. That was improvised? She says, and then really? she says uh, that it's not the years, it's the mileage. Another improv line. Like wow. they had a lot of fun making that scene because everything was so planned and storyboarded. I think they actually got a second to breathe through their noses and yeah. do something fun. It's almost you know, like they were well, flirting a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that was the the thing is that this was the moment where he he saves her, he saved the day, and she can forgive him. And when she does, when she, he points to his mouth for her to kiss it, and he, she falls asleep, she's like, "We never seem to get a break." So, you know, I mean, that there was your railing right there that could have happened. I know. Just saying. I was waiting I, for it. So my perfect, you know, d- depiction of this happening is the Nazis walking in midstream. What would they say? What, wait, like as that scene happened or there's something else going on that? Oh, like Tim's, uh, full, mid, Tim, Tim's full railing. Yeah, mid thrust. I mean, it's just like, let's just say the condom broke, the Nazis it, walk in. It totally, it totally depends on which Nazi walks in. If it's that like chiseled jaw guy, then he's like, you need to stop this. He's like, I'm he's, not comfortable with this missionary style ceremony <laughs> right. performing. If it, if it's the, if it's like the clammy fucking, the clammy like uh, four eyed yeah. guy who wears the leather coat, he pulls I mean, out he his is, nunchucks and just starts yeah. stroking them. He is sitting in the corner. He is sitting in the corner and breathing heavily the entire time <laughs> and giggling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tracing his, like, taking his pinky and tracing the burn on his hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my face is really melting right now. So they get, they get accosted by the, the Germans in a submarine who somehow, you know, maybe it was the fact that Sala was belting out a Gilbert and Sullivan song at the top of his voice as the ship is leaving. They're like, do you guys see anything unusual? No. Wait, 
one thing, guy in brownface was singing <laughs> Gilbert and Sullivan. So they get pulled over, and you know the 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 chiseled German guy's like, "You're lucky we did not blow you from the water, savages." And I'm like, you know what? It doesn't kind of make any sense that yeah. they don't. That's what I was thinking. Right. We got a submarine. Like, that dude doesn't come back because they sunk that boat. Yeah. They're like, we got a submarine. And just in case somebody decides to hitch a ride, we're not going to take it underwater <laughs> at all. We're just going to drive it on the, on the surface all the way to this secret island. Um, but a cool thing, I you know... I, I love the pacing of this movie and the pacing of seeing the Nazi symbol in the hold in that beautiful shot. Uh, when oh, there it goes. See, he was talking about Nazis and beautiful stuff, and look what happens. Hey, I, I, you guys got me again? Yeah, we hear you. Yep. So, am I interrupting, or do you want me to? Yeah, hey, go ahead. That, that go no, finish that thought. Uh, where did where did I lose you're you? You're talking about the just the the beautiful shot of that that Nazi flag, Andy. That's what you were talking about. <laughs> no, no, don't get crazy here. It's the shot in the hold on Katanga. Listening of the swastika on the, the backdrop the, of the red lighting. Mm-hmm. No, it was an it was a never wavering uh, eagle, <laughs> but it gets burned out from the inside. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's really the first time. That's really the first time that we see that there's magic. That right. there's actual powers yeah. there. And it's all you need. It's all you need to believe the end yep. of the movie. It's fantastic. It's such shorthand. It's beautifully done. And, you know, you're like on this thrill ride. So now, you know, this is the end of Act 2 where they thought they won, but now all is lost. Every, the tables turn immediately 100% around. Indiana Jones is going to be on top of a submarine driving to a weird island. And the submarine pulls in. And before the submarine stops moving, Indiana Jones is already up in the like scaffolding, beating up tiny German soldiers for their uniforms. And that's the only part of the movie that I think we can all relate to is when Indiana Jones can't button his shirt. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but he can't because it's too small. It's, it's not just that he like has some us. sort of. <laughs> it is a uh, Kasdan said that was a gag that he's always always wanted to do because in so many World War II movies they conk somebody over the head, take their uniform, and it fits them perfectly. Right. <laughs> so so he did it like that. I thought that was very funny. Yeah, they do it again too in the third one. I'm pretty sure well, they 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 steal from that movie pretty heavily. In the second yeah. one, they have two guys with scimitars that he doesn't have his gun for, if you recall. Mm. I just want to know where Andy put his hat when he jumped in the water. You know what I want to know? In that scene when he's leaving Katanga's cabin, when they see the submarine, he pulls a gun out and it's an automatic. It's not his pistol. Right. It's a Colt forty-five. Like, what is that? I thought, the, I thought the same thing. And actually, there's another scene. I think it was all the way back in the bar where he there was a front there's a front shot of him shooting the gun. And it was a Colt 45 there, too. It wasn't the, the revolver that he that he usually had. But it was a quick it was a quick shot. And I was kind of like, that was a Colt 45. So it's almost like the they had some prop mix ups in there, too. Hmm. Or there was like an extra story going on that we don't like. That was the 
they just decided to use it and not worry about continuity because they did it in edit or whatever. Well, then there's, right. there's so many quick shots in this movie. Um, I mean, the whole, like the scene with, um, with what's his face, Frenchie there, when he's smoking hookah, that's the longest shot in the entire movie and it's like a minute 16. That's it. It's just nonstop cuts. So, I mean, that could make sense. It's yeah. like, all right, just take seven. <laughs> they had lunch. Saw, that, you know, they had lunch, start, comes back. We started gun. this conversation talking about how the fuck Indy managed to keep his hat after riding on a submarine for thousands of nautical miles. Mm-hmm. How does his hat not fall off? Through three movies, we are not recognizing the fourth one. He gets punched in the face hundreds of times. Like, mm-hmm. Dropped off the sides of boats, like fighting on top of tanks, getting shot at. The hat never one time comes off of his head ever. Hmm. Well, they do. They do two. They actually do two gags based on people saying, "Why does he never lose his hat?" So in the second one, when they escape from a, you know, the gross uh, spider and millipede infested tunnels under the, uh, the you know, in Kalimab land. And he slips through, and the last, but just before he slips through, his hat comes off, and he reaches under and grabs it at great risk to himself. And then in the third one, he's in that super slow speed tank chase. (laughs) Yeah. And the tank goes over the side, and they all think he's dead. And he's so exhausted and plays so stupid as he climbs up, (laughs) you know, from 20 feet away. And as soon as they see him, they're just like, oh, fuck it. He's fine. It's Indiana Jones. Let's just ignore that any of this happened, and his hat blows in and lands at his feet. Yep, of course, so it's do, a great they one. They do it's have amazing. a, they have a, they're conscious of it. They they know that. Yeah, it's it, magic. You know, and I think they do the whip in this one for the other, like right before the um the you know the 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 doors about the close or whatever in the temple. Yeah, he does the same. Yeah, it's a similar game. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's a magic hat. I I think it's a magic hat. Okay, he's got a magic whip and he's got a magic hat. I, I've had those like little like whip bracelets before where you slap them on your wrist and it curls around. Those don't even fucking work. And this guy's whip can also do that. And his hat doesn't fall off except exactly when they want it to. It's magic. Okay, and mm-hmm. so what's the rule here? Like, how long do we humor him or do we just roll our eyes and move on? Or Just move on. No, just keep going. I'm not going to let it die. It, it only dies when the group says it dies. And that's kind of the way it goes. Okay, well, I say that I say you know, Gabby Johnson is right. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> All right. So then after this, you got the American Indiana Jones with the German rocket launcher getting into a Mexican standoff with the French Bellox, who calls on Indy's bluff to blow up the Covenant, and then he ties him and Marion to a sacrificial pole. Now here's a fun thing: count the flies on people's mm. faces in that scene. Mm. Oh yeah. What the hell? Like, did were they just like listen? We, it's a featureless, dry wash. We're basically in an arroyo that exists in millions of places across the world, including Los Angeles. <laughs> but let's shoot here, because evidently there's like a fucking horse dung farm next door, <laughs> and there's flies like going right into Belloc's mouth as he's yeah, talking. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And it yeah, does Belloc, back out. Belloc ate like 10 flies in that yep. whole thing. Yeah, he's actually wasn't supposed to be playing a Frenchman. It's just his mouth was full of flies. Right. There probably was like a dead, there's probably like a dead dog next to where they were filming and they were just like, should we move that? Like, no. Production value, gentlemen. Production value. What do you mean you didn't didn't clean up the dead monkey? (laughs) (laughs) 
It's a union job. I'm not fucking doing it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm props, not animal handling. Yeah. Well, dude, that's a prop now. <laughs> Doesn't say anything in the contract about dead monkeys. It's not a prop unless it's been pickled. <laughs> so here's another time where you're like, okay, badass, crazy Nazis. They're in the middle of nowhere. They don't want the Fuhrer to know what the hell they're doing. They've got, they're, and they're marching in procession. They're like, you know what? If we're going to do this, let's do it right. Why don't we carry some like Nazi standards and flags in front of us? And then Indiana Jones is like, I am going to fucking blow you and all of these people to kingdom come. And they're like, go up there and surround him, but don't shoot him. I know. Like, what is that? I know. How is, they're like, put the rocket launcher down. That guy would have been shot so many times. Yeah, they're Nazis. Come on. What do you think they're going to fucking do? I don't understand. Surround him and tie him to a pole. <laughs> and let's him watch pole. this Hebrew ritual. Okay, so why did they have to walk this pimp box into the middle of the desert, though? Really? Because they couldn't get any Jeeps on their submarine. But, uh, but like, they needed because they needed an altar to do it on. Yeah. Dude, you could open this the fucking pimp box like in, in on the deck of a battleship or something. Well, no, I no. guess that the Germans had. Pro- well, oh, no, they no. had their battleship at that point. It doesn't matter. You could fucking open it in a broom closet. Why? No, bl- uh, Belloc says why. He says to when Marion is like, "How can you be in league with these scumbags?" Even though he's like a worse scumbag, and he says. The the my partners are just a means to an end, meaning I want the power from the. Uh, it is like a radio, for talking to God. to God. Right. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, is it like a you know couple of kids in their bedrooms in the middle of the summer with their two way radios, or is yeah. it really powerful? Like, what is the thing? Like his his idea of what it is, obviously he underestimates it, but that's why they have to go to a private place because he wants to seize the power from the Ark for himself and yep. then he can do whatever he wants. That's why they go out there. I used to do the same thing with beer in high school. Same thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Let me just make sure it works first. Let me just try some. Let's go over here. <laughs> Let me just try a little bit more. Let's go in the yeah. woods. Try some more. <laughs> That's exactly the same thing, Max. Yeah, definitely. It's the hand of God. I thought the metaphor worked. I was going to give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> This is my way of rolling my eyes and moving on. Oh, okay. So uh, I I have to bring up one thing, though. The Nazis are so gullible in this whole thing. It's hilarious. This, like, French guys, like, pulling one over on, like, that's, first of all, that's ass backwards. That would would not be happening. The Nazis would be pulling one over on the French guy. And this whole entire time, he's like, they're trying to kill Marion this whole time. And he's like, no, I want her. She's mine. And they're like, all right, fine. Again, they would have just put a bullet in her brain back in Cairo and moved on. And then here you go. You can have her. Well, while I may lack the experience to know what would make a realistic Nazi, um, they do a lot of things to denigrate them. Like Salah says, they have not the brain among them. And they're just constantly saying these guys are can be fooled. Right. It's it's just part of the storytelling. I think it's I think you're right. But I think. uh it's pretty funny. And then what about in that scene? Belloc gets the fly in his mouth and he's like, uh, you can keep the ark. I just want the girl. And Belloc's like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> the know. girl is mine. Right. And he grabs her and he says, you have no more chances to marry in. It's like, what? Dibs. Massive like, power move. Is, 
It's all his ego. He's like, I right. got to beat Indiana Jones. Nothing you ha- there's nothing you possess that I cannot take. Literally, that looks like the kid back in school who like you you knew he was like copying your answers and you like didn't you let him kind of and then you realize that he got a fucking A on the exam and you got like a B and you're just pissed because you did all the fucking work but he for some reason just like cheated the right answers but he away. wouldn't he would always get caught because he couldn't just copy off your paper you'd have to say there's no answer that you could write that I cannot copy down <laughs> and he'd be like are you who's talking <laughs> Belloc! <laughs> Such a dick. Then he grabs Marion and they're like, you know what? Let's do the ceremony. Let's tie them to this pole. And for some reason, and this was evidently played out more in dialogue, they just could not get it. They, it just didn't cut right. That Indiana Jones was the whole time like, none of this shit's real. And then at the end, he's like, I think it is. So they just did it with that one line where he's like, don't look, Marion. Don't look. You have to keep your eyes shut. And um, so in order to make that a bigger meal out of it, they had the actors improvise. And she kept screaming, I have to. I have to look. I have to look. And there's a great outtake from the movie where Harrison Ford says, well, then go ahead and fucking look. You never listen to anything I say. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) God, you've been like this since you were 11. Christ. That there, you might as well have been like uh, that. That was a great callback right there. <laughs> right. I have to, t- I tip my hat. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. So getting back into it, you know, you get the whole bell lock and doing the the ritual. Opens up the covenant. It's only full of sand, and it's a trap. Like, can we talk about Belloc's outfit? Did I did I bring my did I bring my weird turban that I can't really explain? <laughs> right. Why I'm wearing it? Yeah. Why did he get dressed up for this? I don't he know. Is, if, he's I a showman. It's a showman. Come on. He's God fresh. wouldn't notice. He's he's like, God's going to think I'm one of those guys. But he that's really, really what he's doing. He really <laughs> took this to heart that it's a, a it's a ritual of another religion. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really? He was like, Be- oh, well, this is exactly what they would do. Belloc's the, the kind of guy religion. that shows, the kind of guy that shows up to a, uh, to a scrimmage in like a full uniform. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Yeah. Because Tuxedo. we all know the Jews wear turbans. He definitely wore a tuxedo to a luau on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. But then they're just like, then they, then if you've seen the movie once, watching that scene again, when you see people in the position of what their stand-in made out of gelatin version of their bodies are, and you know they're just about to melt or implode or explode. Like, what about the dude whose head just... It's Belloc's head. Yep, it's Belloc. Just full-on explodes. I mean, <laughs> like... You, you so got, like, good. the librarian ghost from Ghostbusters, like, breaking in. And then, like, Belloc turns yeah. into a dude from Scanners. And then you got the other two guys that just... Their faces just melt. Yeah, it's it is. Fantastic. And that, the, the Wraith... That is one of the best music cues in the movie mm. where... The, the magic is happening and it's very like poltergeisty sounding. Yeah. And then suddenly her face turns into that of a skull and the music changes into something sinister. And then that crazy sound comes from the generator and everything goes to shit. It's so good. Belloc starts screaming. Sh- shit shoots out of his eyeballs. All the Nazi soldiers uh, have to stand there in pantomime being, you know, blasted through with uh, light beams 
Oh, it's so good. Yeah, just get a mouthful of lasers. So the movie yeah. originally got an R rating from the Belloc scene. They, that's why they put a bunch of fire in front of them to block out what was happening. Because I guess it was like too gruesome the first time around before his head explodes. Oh, really? Yeah. It wasn't the MPAA saying, we are uncomfortable with this Jewish reason. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to speak to the, the 11 year old, but there we go. <laughs> They're like, Love your 11-year-old's fine. In. Yeah, that's okay. We're good with that. Turbin's out. <laughs> we got Epstein Sr. here. He's fine. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Should we um, just wrap up the movie here? Anything else you guys want to talk about? Well, as then far that, as face it's got a great goes? epilogue. One of the most iconic epilogues of all time. And in the version I watched last week to, uh, you know, refresh my memory, they fixed a lot of the stuff. There were mistakes in the movie that they fixed. One being... At the very end, when they're wheeling the crate, you know, when, when uh, what's his name, Blue Five, says, <laughs> we have top people working on it. Top men. Yeah. Yeah, who? Top, top men. Men. If I say it slower, <laughs> then maybe you'll get it. <laughs> and Did they I cut stutter? to the scene, to the... They cut to the uh, warehouse scene, which is really one of the most brilliant and iconic moments i mean that's pure invention right there and they wheel it down and then they turn right before the backdrop and as they turn just wheeling that thing caused the backdrop to flutter and so in the original film you could see the folds of the fluttering backdrop and they fixed it hmm. which oh. i think is a little bit of a shame yeah, yeah you i just love that, that nothing can protect you know the the world's craziest most dangerous secrets other than the us bureaucracy the u.s federal government's bureaucracy it's so good They're like what else is in there no that was actually that scene know. is uh the inspiration for the uh movie and series the librarian on turner hmm. huh. it's also an homage because to citizen kane too with the ending that's true that's true they have all the the created stuff trophies and all that yeah well, uh, Tim and I are just going to back off while you two just <laughs> fuck. So, yeah. Going back to that first blowjob in the 30s, yep. <laughs> Good God, Magnum. I mean, you can't show appreciation in this group without being having a label slapped on you? <laughs> no, we're very, we're very afraid of anything that's approaching emotion. <laughs> For the most part. Well, yeah. that it's called I being Catholic. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Lots of guilt. <laughs> I mean, I I think what they should do though, like Disney Plus should do should do like a spinoff and show how they like all those artifacts got there in that in that storage. Oh facility. my god, that's a great idea! Could you Dude. imagine all the little like tangent stories you could it's go one off? Yeah, every yeah. episode's a one off. Just do Perhaps Young not- Indie. Do Young Indie. They used to have like an old like there was a series. There was an yeah. it was not oh, animated. Okay. It was live action. Yeah, they had yeah, yeah. and it was uh, the Adventures of Young Indiana Jones, and it was and he like. It's him at different ages. There were like three different actors that play him. And one of the things they do is something is stolen from there and they, they have to go get it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that would be that, that would is, be endless material, though. Well, there, yeah, there would have been there would have been really what the franchise should have become when they when they cast uh, River Phoenix mm-hmm. as young Indiana Jones in the third one and he passed away so they decided not to pursue it with a different actor which I thought was crazy and meanwhile Harrison Ford is like alright I'll make this movie but I'm gonna, I want to make Indiana Jones 9 and they're like well <laughs> the next one would be 
five. He's like, I'll make that one. <laughs> so they're going to make one. There's, they're still, it's still in production. Yep. It's still in pre-production. Craziness. That's, and the thing that's nuts now is the movie came out 40 years ago. So if you actually want to have it be like, you know, in synchrony as far as the time goes, that means that Indiana Jones for this new movie, they're going to be a year away from Star Wars coming out. It's going to be 1976. That's hilarious. That is great. Yeah. What is it? Indiana Jones and the last prostate exam. Like, <laughs> like what is he doing? What's he going to do? Indiana well, Jones and the first rascal scooter. <laughs> He's just going to see lots of J.J. Abrams lens flares. Remember that white light I was talking about? <laughs> yes. No, it's uh, Indiana Jones and the jitterbug phone. <laughs> <laughs> How does this work? Turns out he's got a kid that he never knew about. Right. And all he does is ask the kid how to use his phone. Yep. Indiana Jones and what is this disco music these kids are playing? <clears throat> now, part of me actually will also wants to see Indiana Jones go back to that storage facility just because like Nixon wants to use it on the Democrats. Just get some like the wrath of God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nixon's like, like We're gonna I'm not him. I'm not comfortable with this uh Hebrew ritual. <laughs> uh, Indy, I want you to break into the Democratic National Office. <laughs> You'll have the support of the wrath of God. The wrath of God. Okay. I know there's no crossover in your lives with Nixon, but you guys do a pretty nope. good impression. <laughs> it's really that's, just me doing the Futurama version. Yeah, that's just years of the Simpsons for me. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's like my kids were always understood all my references, but they didn't get the original reference. They got the Simpsons version of yep. it. <laughs> Dude, just wait until like for our grandkids, like wait until you know, it's like 2050 and kids are going to be doing Trump impressions, having absolutely no idea who Trump was. Oh Same my shit. God. Except right. way worse. If the world's even still here. Yep. 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 All right. Time for trivia. Andy, Oof. do you have any extras? Uh, no, just uh, the, just the, I'm I'm very honored that you guys asked me to do this movie with you because it really is one of my favorites. I can't believe it, and I really enjoyed watching it again and talking about it with you guys. So. Perfect. Yeah. yeah well, likewise. Well, yeah. I'm really happy to hear that the 11 year old wasn't your only contribution to this. Though, so I'm really happy. <laughs> I did not. That have was my anything contribution to do with the 11 year old. <laughs> no, I it's mean, his now. And just so for the record, that's the first time I've ever said that. <laughs> I slate that audio and his career's now ruined. Uh, I don't know. I think the whole show might have done the end. Yeah. Yep. The fact that he uh, came on, okay. the fact that he came on, I think that did his uh, career. Yeah. <laughs> Falling into our trap. Two and a half, yeah, two and a half listeners aren't going to do yet. You'll be fine. Yeah. We're, we're big in Nigeria, Andy. That's uh, what the tracking's telling us. So, McElfresh did pull my popcorn? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Dude, we just hit the charts in Turkey today. We're yeah. 16. That's great. Wow. Yeah. Well, time. that's great. I mean, <laughs> doing a podcast with Kevin Smith, it is amazing to look at the metrics of, you're like, holy shit, how many, like, how many podcasts do they listen to in Mali? And right. Like in like literally in Timbuktu, there's like a, it spiked at four people. Like what's going on? But it's very cool, and and that's that's the modern audience. I mean, congratulate yourselves. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I kind of sometimes think, I wonder if like maybe people are putting podcasts on, like in other countries like that to maybe learn English. Maybe it's like part of an English class over there. It could because it could be like used as a conversational tool, kind of, and which scares the shit out of me. 
because if, <laughs> if they're actually using like our oh, yeah, podcast. It's like, no, Moboto, you will not see a white light if you stick your finger into that. <laughs> <laughs> These are the lessons that people know, though. They're, you know, and, but honestly, the first thing you learn another language, how to swear. We got that covered in spades. Oh. Plenty. That is true. Plenty of where Very that came good. from. All right, quick couple uh, trivia things here. So the monkey man that we're talking about, Eye Patch dude, um, he's also the guy in the jungle in the beginning of the that movie. Seems very reductive, by the way. <laughs> the monkey but man. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, is he the guy that gets killed first with all the things? Yeah, he's, he's one who pulls a gun on Indy, who then he whips him. Same dude. Yeah, I, I dubbed him Steve. That's his name. Old Steve. Uh, He's like, fuck, I was just killed by the Jovitos, but I got better. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy a monkey and move to Cairo so I never have to see Indiana Jones again. (laughs) I'll contract out for the Nazis. It's great. I lost one eye. All I got is my motorcycle and a contact to buy a monkey. (laughs) And this precious, precious monkey of mine. Um, This is the only film the series to be nominated for Best Picture. That makes sense. Yep. Somehow John Williams didn't win best score for this movie, which I don't understand. Such an iconic. I, I have met him. Nice guy. Just a, in passing, because we were, I was working on another movie we were doing music for. But the people I know that have met him, if you push play, asking him about like the big, the big regrets in his life, he's won so many Academy Awards. Yeah. And he spends his life thinking about the ones that he didn't win. Mm. Isn't oh, that crazy? No. Well, that's why he's that so successful. That is no way though. to live. <laughs> I mean, oh. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. But still, God, dude. How old is he at this point? 326. <laughs> okay, understood. <laughs> he was actually was inside of the Ark. He was. <laughs> he was one he's of the like, ghosts that Hey, I don't know about you guys, but I am yeah. totally comfortable with this Hebrew ritual. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make that abundantly clear, everybody. We are very comfortable with the CB ritual. <laughs> Hands down. All right, We're totally last woke. Little, <laughs> last little bit of trivia. Jeff Bridges and Nick Nolte turned down the role, and then, I mean, obviously I think everybody knows by now, but Tom Selleck had it, and then he lost it due to uh, scheduling conflicts with Magnum P.I. Good. <laughs> oh, Good. God. You know, what really happened was he's like, listen, I'll wear the leather jacket, but can the pants be much shorter? <laughs> right. Have you seen Magnum? I want them really short. And they have to be jeans. Super short. Like hot pants short. <laughs> and they're like, uh, I think we have a scheduling conflict, Mr. Selleck. <laughs> Did he have a mustache back then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's Magnum P.S. I could not. I could not see Indiana Jones with a mustache. I can't. I absolutely cannot. I can see it if he's got the scruff around it. Well... <sighs> Yeah. I don't know. He was supposed to be like, Tom Selleck is like uh, 70s Playboy Swingers like look. I feel like the character is supposed to be sort of like dignified. I mean, he's like a wild man, but he's kind of like a dignified wild man. I just don't see Tom Selleck playing dignified like Harrison Ford did. No, I mean, Tom Selleck, he couldn't pull off a three-piece suit until he made it to Blue Bloods. Like, that was the first time in history. So, no. So, first off, he's not going to be a professor at an Ivy League school. No, and he's not going to be best friends with a a British premier of the organization or the fucking of the school. Like, no, no, no. Before you sell him short, don't forget, he was the heart of three men and a little Uh, lady. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Hey, our, our original uh, podcast poster was of, was of that. It was three men and a baby. We just cut ourselves into it. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, There's a reference right there. <laughs> Movie holds up. Mac, Max understands you. Mm-hmm. And he loves you. Like if you, the Gutenberg of it all, there was a time where there were two actors vying for the most uh, on the poster titled movies acted in in one year. And it was uh, Steve Gutenberg and Michael Caine. And they tied. Wow. Jesus. With, I think, nine. What the fuck? Like, Gutenberg was just pumping them out as, like, Cocoon 2, Jaws 4, uh, Rear Window. Like, he just was, oh, my God. Oh, and wow. Rear, Rear window. window. Yeah, the remake. Oh, dude. And, Love and it. then now he's just, you know, runs a pizza place in Long Island. <laughs> yeah. Talk about divergent careers. Yeah. Talk about I mean, cocaine abuse. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry. Isn't that the dream to simplify? That's always what it comes down to. Simple. Or, or burn bridges. One or the other. Well, yeah. there's that too. Yeah. Also, Steven Spielberg wanted uh, Danny DeVito for the role of Sala. I would funny. have been balls deep into that. That would have been a much really difficult scene though when they're like lifting the uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Like the, <laughs> you just see, uh, that's he mean. just gets picked up by it. Like, oh, I shit. need a stool. Indiana Jones. I am so pleased that you're not dead. Like I'm trying to get him to. I'm trying to get him to surround that character, and I just can't even think of how terrible that would be. Hey, Marion, look at this extra large condom I got in my wallet. <laughs> So anyways, I started blasting. <laughs> That's what it's going to be like. That and a lot of kicks to the shins. A lot of shin kicks. That would have been the entire movie. <laughs> he goes around and gets all those flags, ties them together. <laughs> Indiana Jones pulls out and he just falls right into the... <laughs> oh, shit. Into the bathroom. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then all that, you know, there's extra stuff. Like, you know, like R2-D2s and like the some of the artwork in the back and like the plane is like OBC 3PO or some shit. They have a bunch of like star Wars mm-hmm. little things here and there. All right, let's move into so, uh one, Here's one more, but it's not from this movie. It's from the second one. Okay. Uh, Dan Aykroyd is in the second movie. He's the one that puts Indy on the plane that ends up crashing in India. Do you remember Dan what? Aykroyd after no. the escape from the original scene where uh, the Chinese gangster, uh, they have the chase through Shanghai that's really? Dan Aykroyd because Dan Aykroyd promised Steven Spielberg that he would do any role he asked him as payback for Spielberg being the guy in the clerk's office in the Blues Brothers. Huh. Oh, my God. Also, a little fun fact, too, is that the uh, the Crystal Skulls is Dan Aykroyd's vodka. So, there you go. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> vodka is a lot better than the movie, ladies and gentlemen. I can't, wait, I can't wait to watch that scene. I've never noticed that. Me either. Yeah, appreciate that. That Crystal Skull, I mean, Shia LaBeouf, he was great in that, like, tank movie that takes, you know, whatever. Oh, Fury, yeah. That was a, he was great in that movie. I don't want to take away from the fact that he is a talented actor. Agreed. But when he is swinging through the jungle with CGI (laughs) monkeys in the Crystal Skull, I'm like, oh my God, Jar Jar Binks is cringing right now. His toes are curling. (laughs) There is no Jewish ritual that can clean that off of our palates. Misa not even fuck up a movie like this. (laughs) (laughs) Misa not so comfortable with. (laughs) 
just just, just him being a greaser with his is Jedi ritual. <laughs> a greaser, really? Yeah. Oh uh, man, yeah, yeah. We'll have a field day of that one. Oh Jesus! Seen the movie one time. I I will listen. But I will not watch that movie again. <laughs> no, we'll save you the time. <laughs> we would not. We would not inflict that upon you. That's why I go over scene by scene in this, so you don't have to watch the movie. Oh, that's so nice. <sighs> all As right. All of this has been. I felt that I heard the sighs, so I could tell that you guys are wrapping it up. We are wrapping it up. Time for questions, real quick. Who's your favorite and least favorite in this? Favorite. It's easy to say Indiana Jones. Yeah, but you do have to love Karen Black. Or Karen Allen, I'm sorry. <laughs> she is, she has such a job to do. I don't think Spielberg really was an actor's director at this time. And she has to be like as tough as a guy, but also vulnerable and also be the object, you know, woman and stuff. And she carries it off. Like she's great. I think she did a great job. Spielberg said um, after this movie came out, he's like, I ruined Karen Allen. Because like she was so like hard nosed and tough that's like no one's gonna want to cast her in anything now. Well, that's so funny. I thought you was he's like I ruined her because she was only eleven years old. When the... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't say you did. <laughs> Least favorite, I gotta go with the the monkey toting eye patch guy. <laughs> it's Steve. Like, they're like they they like took him to wardrobe and he's like, can I wear all of this? <laughs> like it just was not a ugh. he probably just came back they probably like walked him into the wardrobe room and like turned their back and then he just put on it all and then turn, they turned back around and they're like what are you doing and he's like this is my wardrobe <laughs> this is what I chose so bye he, he Lon Chaney'd it Lon Chaney <laughs> Jr. famously was in all these movies he, he had a daughter to support so he would he was the man of a thousand faces he could go in as an extra one day and then come back and put on a disguise and yeah. and be an extra the next day. And he was in some movies like six or seven times as different characters. So maybe that's this guy. Maybe I should, maybe I sold him short. Mm. Maybe he was better than Karen Allen. I'm going to say, so my, my favorite um, is Major Arnold Tot. And oh, I'll the, tell you why. The giggling Nazi whose hair grows back. Yes. <laughs> He's my favorite. I'll tell you why. A, because I respect a man who is looks as clammy as he is and still insists on wearing a, a full winter leather coat in the desert. Also, always a big fan of characters who are extremely arrogant, but also exceedingly incompetent. Uh, it always just makes for a, a comedic adventure. So I, I'm a big fan of him. Not necessarily like his character, but just it, he, he added a lot to the movie for me. And um, one of the most inept, uh, ineptly choreographed moments where he's on one side of a table and there is a amulet that is burning in a fire and he could just easily like kind of whip around, grab it. But instead right. he slowly reaches over it, exposing all of the vital parts of his body and then right. burns his hand. <laughs> right. He just like can never figure out how to be in the right spot in one of those yeah. uh, mix ups either. It's just it's really funny. Um, my least favorite is, this is kind of a, you know, obvious is Belloc. He, um, as, his character's great. I love him, but it's like, like it's you, you love to hate him. So, um, he's my least favorite. I got, I got to defend Belloc in one sense in that I think the actor 
was given a tall order because Spielberg loved Francois Truffaut, who played in he played the science, French scientist in um, uh, Close Encounters, and so. This guy is like he wears all the same outfits, his hair is done the same way, and I feel like he was kind of pigeonholed into all that stuff. And then he was given all of the weight of doing those over-the-top, on-the-nose lines. So I get what you're saying, but, you know, I respect that guy for that. I'll, I'll jump in real quick. Plus, it ruined his career <laughs> also. <laughs> what else have you seen? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll also say that Belloc... I'll say that he's, he was probably my favorite. I mean, obviously it's Indiana, but I mean, he's like the Thomas Edison of the archaeology world. Like he just lets Indy do all the work and then he just has his goons come in and just steal it from him. So well, I, I can respect that. Analogy. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And and then my least favorites could be the monkey. The Nazi Fuck monkey. monkey. Yeah. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> wow. Whoa. <laughs> well, my favorite is the Nazi monkey. Um, <laughs> Fuck I, you. I, you know, I, I felt like it was true to its nature. Um, you know, it's it is an animal, so it it you know it it has one person that it trusts and loves, and uh, everyone else can go fuck themselves. And it decided to throw its lot in with its one-eyed Nazi turban-wearing man. So I love the Nazi monkey. My least favorite is Indy's boss. I do not think that this dude's dick swagger nearly matches that of Indy. Therefore, he can't properly manage Indy and clearly just goes whatever Indiana wants to do. And I feel like you need a, a harder, you know, a more firm hand, kind of like Sean Connery to be involved. Just okay. maybe. Spoiler well, alert. Just wait until, wait until the third movie when Marcus becomes a super inept idiot. <laughs> yeah. Does anyone speak English here? Hello. Should I ride? Should I ride this horse backwards? <laughs> What? That's what? that's just the British. Yeah, yeah. Too many years of uh, complete uh, head <laughs> hegemony over the entire planet will do that to you. In gin, too much gin. I do like the Belloc comparison as he. Uh, it's like I just now envision Indiana Jones. Like he's got all these ancient tomes. He's traveling the world trying to figure out how to get this idol out, and Belloc's just reading, you know, Hovitos for dummies. <laughs> <laughs> Electrocuting <laughs> elephants at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that happened. All right. Thanks, last, Edison. Last one real quick. Just how IMDb and Ron Tomatoes have their own rating systems. We decided to make our own. So what would your rating be for this one, guys? And Andy, this is when you just give an absolute ridiculous, stupid rating. <laughs> Makes no I sense. Would give it, I would give it 11 monkeys that were poisoned by bad dates. <laughs> <laughs> He's listened to the show. Quite a high rating. Quite a high rating. Out of 70. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, a real number. A perfect rating. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. I just like I find yeah. it very pleasing to think of 70 dead monkeys. I don't know why. <laughs> they gave us AIDS. It's their fault. I'm going to give this uh, movie 14 uncomfortable references to an 11-year-old girl. Woo. Uh, that's my rating. Good. All right, Tim. I'll give this 11 uh, hashtag me too's for Marion. <laughs> well done, Max. Thank you. Out of one large pocket for Andy, wherever he has to put his hat in. Oh, Jesus. I give this 15 Nazis out of one of Indy's hats mixed with uh, three prostate climaxes. <laughs> going all the way back to the beginning. I think that's that's that like Rebus puzzle that's going around the internet right now, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Drives people insane. 
Yeah, the prostate Nazi puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 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 That'll be an app by the end of the week. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up week one of our Indiana Jones movie marathon. If you like the show, please rate and review. Tell your friends about us. You can follow us on all the social medias. And uh, and Andy, is there uh, anything that um, you'd like to plug before we head out of here? Uh, We're doing more edumacations. I just did one with Kevin on Sunday. Sweet. Yep. So, but that is now in the Kevin Smith or that Kevin Smith club. Got it. So it's not the, the free funny we used to have, but it certainly is. It's worth it. Are you guys still working on the Buckaroo Bonsai TV show? Uh, I wish I could tell you exactly oh. what the story was there. Okay. Well, and maybe I will be someday when you call me back to do Buckaroo Bonsai. Uh, the greatest movie ever made. Yes, please. Yep. It's one that's like John's favorite. We'll we'll, we'll bring you back for uh, White Chicks too. <laughs> you know we'll never make White Chicks too. There's always a rumor every year. Uh, Terry Crews, somebody says something, but the guys just can't get back in the chair for six hours a day. It was so hard making that movie. I can imagine. All right, Andy. Well, thank you again for coming on our show. I've, uh, thank been... you. Hope it wasn't too silly. I had a lot of fun. No, this no, is great. No, really. Pleasure was all ours. Thank you yeah. so much. Really. Yeah. Looking forward to, to us. seeing everything got in store down the road. And obviously, you're more than welcome to come on whenever you like. If there's any movie you want to talk about, just let us know. Great. I appreciate that. Uh, drop me a line sometime and we'll get back together. Yeah, we'll do. And stay tuned for next week when we dive into the stinker that is Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. 